Jesus is raging today. These words from Luke don't feel much like the tender shepherd we're used to. Sounds more like the angry prophet from the Hebrew Bible telling us about the destruction of our vineyard havens, overgrown with briars and thorns. Jesus tells about the radical division that takes place within households because of his word. Then he mocks his listeners, calling them hypocrites for their acute grasp of the obvious. Looks like rain. Yep, gonna be a hot one. Meanwhile, they and we blithely ignore and neglect to acknowledge what is as plain as the nose on our face. We're not listening. We're not trying very hard sometimes to do God's will. We could go a long way further down the paths of righteousness, and there will be no justice until we do. If you have ever had the delightful pleasure of visiting the western islands of Scotland, you will be amazed at the sky. Every minute, the tall banks of clouds scud by, mixing with silvery sunshine as they pass. No two half hours have the same sky in the Hebrides, but it's almost always somehow beautiful. Nevertheless, you do have to be prepared to reassess your travel plans and your clothing choices at a moment's notice. And this is like the moral world Jesus is describing. There is selfishness and greed and violence around. Things change all the time, and we, we all have to work to stay aware of and engaged in lives of righteousness. We can't pretend that our Sunday morning prayers are going to just carry us through a week spent in the carnival midway of society. As he makes his way toward Calvary, Jesus utters harsh words to the crowd of thousands he encounters. The theologian Audrey West has suggested that it might be clearer to think of Jesus' words this day as a description of the world with him in it, as opposed to a prescription for what we ought to be doing. He's telling us what is, not what we have to do. After all, for thousands of years, the prescription's already been available. We already know. But humankind has mostly failed to take the medicine. Pick up the prescription, don't take the pills. As we heard earlier from Isaiah, God expects justice, but sees bloodshed. God expects righteousness, but hears a cry. And this spiritual medicine is pretty much the same in every religion. It's older than we know, but it's there. Listen to the psalmist today. Give justice to the weak and the orphan. Maintain the rights of the lowly and the destitute. Rescue the weak and the needy. Deliver them from the hand of the wicked. They have neither knowledge nor understanding, they walk around in darkness, and because of this, all the foundations of the earth are shaken. The earth was founded on justice, says the psalmist, and until it is just, its foundations are shaken. And God asks, how long? How long will you judge unjustly and show partiality to the wicked? Silah. 
Jesus is not here to prescribe. He's here to describe. He tells stories about the kingdom of heaven and the good pleasure of God to give us all that our hearts can imagine or desire. The prescription is as old as the hills, and Jesus, feeling a little antsy as he gets ever closer to the cross, who could blame him, is frustrated with our human refusal to do God's will. But it's vital to remember that these are words of love. God truly longs for our happiness, and God is in perpetual pain at the many ways we hurt. Today, Jesus gives a gloves-off description of what the world will encounter, what we will encounter as we are transformed. There will be division. Based on human history, our very households will contain conflict and strife. For our hopes and our efforts to act justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly, uh, they're not always inherited from our parents. We're not always modeled by the people we call heroes. These things are not always readily available for imitation, and so we must come up with them ourselves. The other day, I needed a belt. Not in the whiskey sense, but in the hold-up-the-pants department. Now, my strapping son, whom you all know, when he started getting big, I pulled down a few belts that were a little snug on me, and I gave them to him. I gave them to him, as in here. You can have these. But the other day, when I found myself in need of a belt, I went in and took one of them back and wore it. Now, when old Jim tried to find that belt, of course, it was gone. And he came to me and said, uh, what's with the belt? Did I mention before that I had given him the belt? Yeah. I responded, well, it was mine to begin with. Sorry. <laughs> I thank God today and at that moment for the healthy skepticism and independence, aware, independent awareness of my son. Despite my best efforts to make him into my personal disciple, that's not what's happening, and I am grateful. And so he responded, oh, okay, Dad. Sure, whatever you say, and uh, did something else. Jesus is telling us, don't pretend things are good out of convenience. Don't maintain habits and systems for the sake of maintaining habits and systems. Honor your elders by getting to know them well enough to decide for yourselves what to perpetuate and what to discard. That's what he's telling us, I think, today. Decide for yourselves. Love them by knowing them well enough to decide what of them you want to replicate, what of them I want to move away from. He calls us hypocrites for pretending we don't have to learn. Continuously reassess and renovate our awarenesses here of the language we use, the things we say, of what's in our national interest, of how we behave towards the people in our households. All these things, our awareness of parental and religious, educational and political frailty. Because the one thing Jesus can't stand is complacency. The spirit of growth is the only vital ingredient 
of a godly life. Nigerian novelist Chimamanda Adichie talks about learning to write as a child. She learned early and she was an avid writer from an early age. I see Helen over there, an avid writer. Unfortunately, all she had was British books to read there in Nigeria, and all the characters in the first stories that she wrote were blonde and blue-eyed, and they ate apples and played in the snow and talked a lot about the weather. That's great, but Adichie lived in Nigeria, where um, very few people are blonde or blue-eyed. There aren't any apples, no snow, and there's no need to talk about the weather. It doesn't change. Adichie's point is that if we are not vigilant, imaginative, and aware ourselves, we will continually find ourselves telling stories that someone else has made up for us, someone else has crafted for us. And these stories are often to help them keep us under wraps and in control. Jesus knows and insists that his word and his life will propel us into the telling of our own stories, into the taking of our own actions, into the living of our own lives. Many times these lives will make others, especially those with power, uncomfortable, obsolete, even angry. But we, like Adichie, must persist. Or as the letter of Hebrews so beautifully declares, let us run with perseverance the race that is set before us and look to Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. Amen.